Hello and welcome to Storytellers of STEM. My name is Rachel Villani. Today's storyteller is Aidan McAleer. Aidan works on the vocab project with NUI Galway in Ireland. She's also concurrently doing her master's degree studying ocean acidification. So I could tell you all about the vocab project, but I'm going to let Aidan tell you. So in this episode, we talk about her work as a research assistant and also a master's student doing long-term monitoring, including with ocean acidification and sort of figuring out baselines in regards to climate change and things like that. We talk about how Aiden got interested in marine science, what she wants to do in the future after her master's work is finished, about the equipment they use and frequently have to troubleshoot slash persuade to work in their monitoring work, and just a, a lot of things related to that. I had a great time and a lot of fun talking to her. So enjoy this episode. All right, well, let's just jump in. So I looked at your Twitter bio and it says you're a research assistant looking at ocean acidification for the vocab project. And I would love to know what that project is. Yeah, so the vocab project is ocean acidification and biogeochemistry um, and it's looking at the vulnerability and variability. So we have been looking at kind of long-term trends in like kind of the deeper ocean. So like, like our main kind of focus area for the deep ocean is like around the South Rock Oil Trough. And then, um, so it's about 250 nautical miles west of Ireland. So we do like a yearly transact that goes out there. And then we've been looking at like the coastal variations as well. I love me some long-term monitoring. That's what yeah. I do. Although I don't know how to think in nautical miles because uh, we we're all inland. That's interesting. I imagine that that is also um, not showing positive results. Like if it's like my work, you're, it's just like, monitoring and showing decline and sad news and all of this yeah it's like increased carbon kind of in the especially in like the different water masses and stuff um as time goes on yeah <laughs> and then like looking at what the potential implications of that would be so like around the rock all trough there's like colonies of cold water corals so you know, increased acidification isn't exactly going to be great for them. It's just a more stressful environment to try and uh, calcify in. Yeah, not good. No. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's fun. How'd you get involved with that project? So I basically, like, so I did my undergrad in like marine science um, here in Galway. So I did like my four years under undergrad here. And then after that, I kind of just did loads of like volunteership time to try and get as much experience as possible. And then I was just applying for every job possible as like a recent graduate. And I was like, oh, because like when you come out of uni and you're like, oh, there's like no jobs <laughs> in what I want to work with. So I was just applying for everything. And then this the job, I seen the job in the university that I had done my undergrad and I was like, oh, I'll apply for it. And yeah, so it turns out the person that runs the project and um, my boss, Rachel, was one of my lecturers throughout um, college. So yeah, I ended up getting the job and I've been here for over three years now. 
pretty good. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Uh, I totally understand that feeling of like, all right, I'm finishing my degree. I'm going to apply for anything I can find. <laughs> anything marine related. It was like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. It's I don't think I'm yeah. Like I'm from Northern Ireland. So I was kind of applying for everything in Northern Ireland and um, in the south of Ireland and then like the rest of the UK as well like I was like okay to see what's you know in these three three four countries it's it's like it's a tough job market well it was like three and a half years ago so yeah yeah and just in general I mean there's not really a lot of like ocean marine science type of jobs compared to like other types of jobs so yeah and there's very few kind of jobs when you come out that will accept like just an undergrad degree. Like most of them want a master's as well. And like, that's actually kind of what my job wanted as well. But I had enough experience, like my vol- voluntary ship time kind of gave me enough experience to kind of like outweigh the need for a master's at that time. Yeah, that was really a brilliant move doing that volunteer stuff because I was talking to somebody yesterday for the podcast and that was like the advice she, like I asked her what kind of advice she would give to somebody interested in a job like hers. And she was like volunteer for whoever, like grad students, whatever, just to get experience because it's all really helpful. And so, yeah, it really worked for you in that that situation. Yeah. Yeah. That would be my advice as well. Just test your anyone you know or have heard of to just try and like get any experience doing anything that's related yeah I I did similar when I was in my undergrad I was just like grad students need free labor right (laughs) and just volunteered whenever I could it can be really helpful I guess is the point of all of that did I see also that you're working on a master's right now too yeah so I'm doing like a part-time research master's um, an ocean acidification as well so kind of it came up through work that there was an opportunity to do a master's alongside so yeah I yeah took that leap and decided to do it part-time alongside working so yeah so I'm looking at looking at creating like a baseline of um, PCO2 in like the Irish coastal and shelf waters so that like we can like look back in like 10 years time and see has it increased has it dis- like decreased like and when and where like I should probably explain what <laughs> PCO2 is <laughs> I was just about to ask that and I was like did I I'm gonna make sure I heard her right and then I was like I don't really know is CO2 like carbon dioxide what's the P stand for <laughs> so yeah please explain <laughs> so uh the P is partial pressure of carbon dioxide so it's like uh, exchange between the atmosphere and the ocean. So the PCO2 in the atmosphere like dissolves into the ocean. There's always like a passive equilibrium. And at certain times of the year or, um, or in certain different places, the atmosphere will have more PCO2 than the ocean. Then the, the ocean kind of takes up some of that um, carbon dioxide as it like balances out and vice versa sometimes like the ocean has more so the carbon dioxide is like outgassed back into the atmosphere in like simplistic terms (laughs) but like it all depends and like the 
what time of year it is, you know, if, if there's any like phytoplankton blooms, because that'll massively decrease the carbon dioxide in the surface ocean. If then after that, the breakdown of those blooms will increase the carbon dioxide in the surface ocean. So it all depends on like kind of time of year and stuff. That's really interesting. I think that that would like having a baseline will also be important down the road. Yeah. Because yeah, it's going to change. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. Well, yeah, if things keep going the way they are in regards to like carbon dioxide emissions, definitely. Yeah. This is a thing I didn't even learn until recently is, is really how ocean acidification even works. It's because it takes CO2 out of the air and then some, I don't really know what the process is, but that makes ocean water more acidic. And then that's what impacts everything else. And it's like, like corals and shells, like they can't create shells. Things that have shells can't create shells as well. It is just like, I think a thing that we just forget about, like, oh, water, it's fine, but it's not fine. (laughs) Yeah. And like, there's going to be a limit where the ocean just can't take any more. So if it can't take any more, it's just going to start releasing the carbon dioxide back into the atmosphere. And that's when we're going to be in trouble. The The ocean does such a great job at mitigating climate change, but it can only do so much. Like... And like the cold in the colder regions, that's where the carbon dioxide is mainly like drawn down because it's dissolves easier in colder water. So, yeah, and as yeah, as warming happens, that water isn't going to be as cold and isn't going to be able to draw down carbon dioxide as well also. So it's it's kind of like one of those positive feedback loops where it just one worse thing makes another thing worse, makes another thing worse. So it's just not great. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely the path that we're currently on. Um, it's not good. No, <laughs> definitely not. This is a bit unrelated, but I'm currently reading, um, it's a science fiction book, but it's about, it's called Ministry for the Future by Kim Stanley Robinson. And I think I've been telling everybody about this book that I've talked to lately because I'm currently almost done with it. But it's about like, what if the Paris Climate Agreement created this like worldwide ministry to deal with these kinds of things um, and like sort of problem solve and draw down carbon and do all of these things. And um, there's a chapter in there where he talks about like the oceans, like we can draw down all this carbon dioxide from the air, but like the oceans take a lot longer to sort of recover and I was just like, well, that's depressing. <laughs> yeah. But like, highlights the problems we're kind of uh, going to be facing. Yeah. And like, like the ocean does adapt quite quickly and things in the ocean adapt quite well as well. But it's just because these things are happening, happening now so much faster than they've ever happened before. Then like, like the calcifying like animals, like guys with the shells they can't adapt as quickly as the ocean is changing so that's when it gets quite problematic yeah it's there's a lot of a lot of things uh all right i'm gonna change the subject a little bit because i'm getting depressed Um, (laughs) what drew you to marine science i kind of always just loved the ocean which makes like very little sense considering like i'm from like a landlocked county in ireland like 
but where I was I was actually very lucky that I was only like an hour away from the ocean kind of like in Ireland it's very small compared to the states obviously but like an hour away like north um east and west from the ocean so I was slap like slap bang in the middle of northern Ireland and yeah so like every summer we used to like like on a Sunday go to the beach and I just like loved it like I just knew that I wanted to work with the ocean like I was obsessed with sea life like I was obsessed with dolphins everything like as most probably young girls are but like loved like loved all that stuff I loved nature and I loved like being outside in general like like even like bogs and ponds and everything like I was always like looking and seeing what was going on like I loved exploring that kind of stuff so yeah like always just kind of had a passion for like outside it's amazing to me how often that's the case like it's something when we're kids it's the same for me too uh and it makes me wonder like what if I hadn't had access to the outdoors as a kid like I wonder what I would be doing now uh maybe I would have ended up doing the same thing like maybe I would have figured it out somewhere along the way or maybe I'd be like a librarian or something indoors I don't know (laughs) yeah like I definitely think like growing up in the country definitely had like such like a big influence like because yeah I, I I don't know what it would have been like growing up in like a town or a city mm-hmm. away from kind of all that kind of stuff so yeah it's, it's hard to know yeah I mean it's an impossible question right but it's something that I wonder about I'm just like what would I have done if I wasn't doing this like I don't know I read too much so maybe something like that and that's always been the case but I, I don't know it's an impossible question yeah like 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 over like over the years like in school and stuff like you know whenever I was like oh I want to be a marine scientist like teachers be like what's that that doesn't exist and I'm like okay <laughs> they're like you should be a teacher or like some like like a nurse or something I was like nah <laughs> like those kind of jobs never like appeal to me so I don't know no I hear yeah uh it's, it was similar for me it's like um you know, marine scientist or wetland scientist, which is what I am, isn't like a thing in the dozen jobs that like everybody knows, you know, teacher, nurse, whatever. Um, And so my family was very resistant. They're like, what is this? Why do you want to do that? And um, so I majored in wildlife and fisheries. And um, my grandpa in particular was like, well, you should really major in marine science instead. And I was like, well, I don't, at that point, I was like, it's still like outdoor science. It's all in the same sort of ballpark, except that I was studying stuff on land. And I was like, but that's not even an option at like where I went to university. So wildlife it is. And they were just like, not not really on board for a long time. I was like, well, I'm going to do it anyway. (laughs) So yeah, I was very much the same. Like, like, like the way it works kind of, but like, cause I, Northern Ireland is part of the UK. I had applied for like marine biology and marine science in like four different universities between Northern Ireland and Scotland and England and Wales and then I applied to the Republic of Ireland as well and I my first choices were like marine science earth and ocean science um marine and freshwater science so like everything I was going to do like there was no there was no backup it was this or nothing (laughs) I think that's okay. And it seems like it worked out. <laughs> yeah, it worked out pretty well. <laughs> pretty yeah. happy. 
Yeah. Uh, I don't know how necessarily how it works there, but like, cause I, I really only had the option to go to one university. And so I did that and I was like, well, I could, cha- I could have like changed my degree at some point if I'd wanted to. Um, I don't know how easy that is to do in like where you went to school or not, but I mean, I could have at least changed it down the road, but I didn't need to. Yeah. Like it was it could, like, I could have like a lot of the, especially in the first couple of years, a lot of the, like the courses are interchangeable. They have that, the base modules are all the same. So maybe in like the first like year or two, that was probably still an option. But yeah, after that, well, I, I was pretty sure what I wanted to do. So I just kept going down that route. Yeah, I was pretty sure too. So that I totally understand. <laughs> yeah, there was no regrets from day one. Um, that's awesome. I'm glad that you figured out what you wanted to do and then went and able went and was able to do it yeah Mm -hmm. um how how long do you have how long does a master's take where you are um and also that's awesome you're doing it part-time because doing a full-time master's kind of (laughs) sucks yeah like so normally like like it all depends whether you're doing like a taught master's or a research master's like a taught master's is normally like one year and a research master's full-time is like I think one and a half to two years and because I'm doing mine part-time I have up to three years to finish it so I am just over two years in two between like two two and a half and I'm hopefully well I'm planning to submit it um like June July of this year like before the end of the project so like it can be part of like the vocab project as well so and maybe get like a paper out of it as well fingers crossed <laughs> that's exciting you're nearly there that's awesome yeah. yeah yeah I mean it it took me three years to do my master's here which you know was full-time so wow. good on you <laughs> well, yeah it's it, that's that's like basically a PhD <laughs> yeah I know it's different between different countries too um and I did two projects so it was the whole thing but um yeah, it was, I always say like getting my master's was the best and worst experience because like I learned a lot and I got my degree, but then it also kind of sucked. <laughs> so I hope it doesn't suck for you. It's been complicated. Sure, yeah. <laughs> and just like, like the master's itself grand, it's like the instrumentation that I'm using. It hasn't really been plain sailing. Like the instrument I use is like an underway PCO2 system. So it um, like autonomously samples every like, like seawater every like two and a half minutes from like um, three meters deep um, just through the, the ship's underway system. And basically we had gotten it, it belongs to someone in the, the college and we had gotten it from it had previously been in Norway and we got in it and we were trying to install it in the smaller um, of the Irish research vessels, the um, the Celtic Voyager. And just because the system is quite old, it just took a lot of integration in and just like things kind of went wrong. Like the temperature probe um, decided not to work. And because it was so old, the company had to like try and source like a retrofitted one and then um the gas analyzer 
needed calibrated and then when we sent it for calibration it turns out there was something else wrong with it and that took a few months to fix um the gps the gps integration was quite complicated because uh, um we couldn't integrate the ship's own gps into it because the string was too complicated so i had to get a separate um gps unit that is able to be retrofitted to older systems um yeah like just lots of little things along the way just kind of like didn't work but it kind of worked in my advantage in one way because like all these things going wrong number one it taught me a load of patience <laughs> and number two it made me realize that i really enjoy the technical side of like science work so like it kind of was like oh i actually like fixing all these instruments and like you know making sure they work properly to get them to do what they want to do so yeah so it kind of slowed down like the data collection a bit <laughs> but it made me realize like kind of what i want to do after i finished the masters which was kind of a blessing in disguise. I'm going to get to that in a second about what you want to do after, but uh, I have a thought about the tech stuff. I feel like the technology in like marine outdoor sciences is changing so quickly that like having an interest in it is totally going to work in your favor, which is awesome because that's going to be a long-term thing where all there's going to always be more technology and it's not going to always talk with the older technology. Yeah, like that, and that's, that's a big thing because like when you're working at like a university like you're not always everything you use isn't going to be brand new so you're just going to have to be able to kind of integrate it integrate what you have and get the best from it so yeah yeah I on the other hand I'm just like why aren't you working just work already I don't have the patience for it so uh also you can have all of it <laughs> <laughs> But like, like that's yeah, like that's my the piece of equipment I, I use for my masters. But the the piece of lab equipment I use like um because I like do the all the carbon samples like I analyze all them in the lab and we use a system uh, called a, a Vinta, um and it like measures dissolved inorganic carbon and total alkalinity, and it too has taught me a lot of patience. <laughs> it's just like. Some, some days it just decides it doesn't want to work. Um, yeah, it like, and it takes, it takes quite a long time to like warm up. It takes like three to four hours just to warm up to decide if it wants to work. And then like you're four hours in and you're like just about to run the reference material. And it's like, nah, not today. You're like, why? You're working perfectly up until now. Like there's no rhyme or reason. Like I'm just like, do you hate me or something <laughs> like we've named we've named um there's two parts of the vinta we've named them helmet and bob <laughs> and um so then like you can humanize them and you can just be like oh helmet why today <laughs> or if it's bob playing up oh, bob please <laughs> that's really funny uh <laughs> i this is sort of related but our we have an airboat that we use uh, for like 95% of our field work and its name is Hercules. And so we just had a, like a new person in our chain of command that started. And I was like, Oh, I'm going to go pick up Hercules. And she was like, who or what is Hercules? <laughs> I was like, that is our airboat. I'm going to pick it up from the shop. 
was just funny. I was like, oh, yeah, she probably has no idea it has a name. Um, I'm just like casually threw it into conversation, you know? <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's probably the same for Helmet and Bob. Yeah, like I think, because then you can just give out to them. <laughs> yeah. Why Bob? Why Helmet? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Um, okay, so let's circle back. What do you want to do once you finish your master's? So yeah, I think I think I want to be a technician, <laughs> a science technician, kind of working with like sensors and like lab equipment and stuff. Like I think that's kind of like what I want to do, and like still like get to do all the field work and stuff because I love field work. Like field work is like probably some of the best parts of the job. Like it just yeah, but yeah, I kind of just want to go down that kind of route, like science technician, you know. And yeah. It sounds perfect for you. Because <laughs> yeah. like, I know I definitely don't want to do a PhD. So I feel like, like, I, don't, I just don't feel like the academia route is for me. So it makes perfect sense for me to go down like the more technical route. And like, I like, like, I still want to be involved in like the science part. So it's like a best of both worlds kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally understand. That's how I feel too. Like, I finished my master's and I was like, nope, I'm done. <laughs> like no more school. This is not what I want to do. Um, but a lot of, you know, wildlife jobs require a master's if you want to, you know, ever do more than just be someone's like part-time field tech, you know, which is a fine job too, but I didn't want to do that forever. Um, and so, yeah, like having a master's is helpful and it like gives you the experience to run things down the road without necessarily having to hustle for money, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is my sweet spot. I like to manage things and keep things running, whatever that may be, but I don't want to have to worry about creating the projects. Yeah. Yeah. That, yes. It's quite similar <laughs> to myself. Yeah, the funding's already there. No problem. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, you want me to just run this? Perfect. I got this. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I agree about fieldwork because my job right now is probably about 50% fieldwork. Um, very different because we're inland, you know, um, working in wetlands or whatever. And right now, because pandemic, everything's a day trip. So that's like, we spend a lot of time just driving, <laughs> which is yeah. less fun. But, you know, it's fine right now. I'm doing what we can. But um Fieldwork is the reason I wanted to major in wildlife in the first place. And so I didn't want to give that up right away. But I yeah. still don't immediately, but it's getting exhausting. <laughs> but. Yeah, like yeah, like I, I love like field work. Like I was I was a sea there. Um I'm back from sea like a week. We were out for two weeks. But prior to going out, we had to quarantine for two weeks and then get PCR tests before going on the ship so that you know, we could ensure that everyone on the ship was safe and stuff, but that was, that was pretty cool. And then like kind of our more coastal field work um, is just being like day trips as well, just down, down to where we're going, like hire the boat, go, go out, do our sampling, deploy or recover instruments and then back home. So yeah, very similar. Yeah, same. We're, we, I mean, we're all in the coastal wetlands and that's a, like most of coastal Louisiana. There's like a whole chunk that's, I don't know what the exact distance is, but it's, you know, miles and miles and miles of wetlands. And then eventually you get to the Gulf of Mexico, but 
So we might have to drive like two to three hours to get to the boat launch and then maybe drive the boat an hour. And it's just like, all right, it's like lunchtime and we just got to the site finally. <laughs> um, so that's a lot, but I mean, it is what it is right now. And at some point we won't have to do all that driving every day um, down the road, but yeah, fieldwork is awesome. I get to see, I'm sure this is the same for you. You get to see a lot of places that people don't get to see every day, which I think is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, yeah. It's definitely one of the perks of the job. <laughs> yeah. That's how I feel too. I was going to ask you what your dream job is, but it sounds like we may have already covered that. <laughs> I, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Just like science technician. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And is like- that some? Is that something you'll be able to do in your current role or will you need to like find a new job after you finish? Do you think? I don't know yet. (laughs) It's tough. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's hard to kind of like really know what's going to happen in the future. Like if there's going to be a post that comes up in the college or not, or if I'll have to look elsewhere. Mm It's like, like, it's quite nice. The university is quite a nice place to work. So it's, yeah, it'd be nice to stay there, but you know, I have no problem looking around as well. <laughs> yeah. I was just curious because sometimes like jobs can be sort of, depending on them, can be modified to like, you can sort of adapt them to what you really want to do. Um, but that's not true of every job. So I was just curious. Do you have a role model? And if so, who is it and why? Like my 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 boss Rachel is amazing. Like she's such an amazing woman. Like, um, like just the loveliest boss you could ever ask for. And like just just the way she works is just like she's, she's just brilliant. Like she would never ask you to do something she wouldn't do herself. And there's such like I think there's such respect gained from that. So like she's definitely like. A role model in that regards because like you know if I was to ever be a boss at some stage and like have employees like that's who what I would want to be like outside of science like my mom is definitely like a big role model for me like she's just amazing like yeah <laughs> yeah that's great it's great to have someone in your career that you could model yourself after down the road if you're ever in a similar position like because not everybody has great bosses and it's awesome that you do. Yeah, like honestly I've been so lucky. Like and like she just knows so much. Like it's just yeah, she's just great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. And also awesome that your mom is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna say awesome a bunch more times apparently. <laughs> I feel like so let me let me preface this question with explaining where I'm coming from with it. So there are things in my job that like I have to do, but like you don't really put on a resume, right? Like, oh, I know how to get this airboat unstuck from a variety of situations. You don't really like put that on your resume, right? So, um, and I feel like every field has things like that. So I'm curious, what are the skills that you have to use in your job that you don't really put on your resume? I know, I like, I know how to sample, like take water samples from a, a kayak. yeah Yeah, exactly like like I normally in my like I suppose on my like CV or resume I'd put like can sample from like a variety of boats or different types of boats but like kayak is kind kind of something like it's it's like super site specific because Mm -hmm. we can't get 
access to the site any other way than a kayak. So like, it's quite a random one. Yeah, like take samples from a, um, yeah, from a kayak. And then also like, I suppose with the Vinta, the instrument that doesn't like to work, like I know the million and one ways how to figure out <laughs> what's actually wrong with it to get it going. Sometimes, <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it just doesn't want to go, but yeah, I suppose like, yeah, I know like the, yeah, a million and one ways, like why this instrument may not decide to work today. Yeah. Um, somebody one time answered that question with like, I can write in really tiny letters on a bottle while the boat is moving. And I was like, oh yeah, that's something you like would be really hard to do, but also be important. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like try and like take the sample as like best as possible when it's lashing raining. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so you compromise the sample with, with like rainwater. Yeah. Like I suppose all them like little obscure things that you don't really mm-hmm think about yeah it's just more of a silly question because I think about like most of my troubleshooting at my job is related to the airboat but um I've I've talked about that a lot which it's a lot it's just silly but it's like I can't really put that on my resume you know like really good at unsticking an airboat you know or like knowing what you need to do it's like you don't put that on your thing (laughs) it's funny all right, how about some non-science questions? Um, what kind of hobbies do you have? I like swimming. Yeah, I like swimming. I like water sports. Like I like like um like paddleboarding. I like surfing. I'm not very good at it, but I like it. Um and then like, I like cycling as well. And I like sewing. Actually, I have a little sewing machine and stuff, and I like like fixing things with my sewing machine. We have a lot of the same hobbies. That's awesome. Yeah, like I got into sewing because I was like, I'm sick of buying new clothes when I can fix everything I have, <laughs> you know, like try to do a little bit more for the environment. I'm borrowing my neighbor's one so I could fix my field pants that kept ripping. <laughs> like, <laughs> all of my field pants are have been repaired multiple times now. And I'm like, if the seams would just stop ripping or like getting holes in them, like we would be fine. Yeah. So same I feel you on that it's like they're fine except for this one hole (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah and I actually like swimming I haven't been swimming you know since the pandemic started and I really missed that I turns out I really needed that to help with my mental health and I don't get to do that right now and uh can't wait to do that again yeah I've been just like swimming in the sea like I live by the coast so it's just Good. like it's cold but I have I have a four millimeter wetsuit so that oh. that helps that and, and like the little like socks as well wet like neoprene socks that really helps because like the water is like like after Christmas I didn't I started swimming again at the end of January and it was like about eight degrees was the oh. water temperature so it was like nice and cold <laughs> it's a little chilly <laughs> little so yeah like I know people that like I have um like a coworker who's like I like, swim in the ocean like when it's not like 20 degrees <laughs> I'm like yeah it's Ireland for you <laughs> yeah well that's what wetsuits are for yeah that's awesome I was gonna ask you if you were able to do like open water swimming where you are because that just sounds so appealing to me because you can't do that here one the water's too hot it's full of alligators or it's like full of algae and you, you just it's not as appealing. 
Yeah, we don't really have any like predators in the water. Yeah. So that makes it a lot easier to do. Um, yeah, like I live a five minute cycle, like 15 minute walk from the beach. So it's pretty, pretty nice. <laughs> yeah, I'm jealous. That sounds perfect. It's just cold, but like you said, the wetsuit. It's- yeah, that's why there are wetsuits. It's fine. Um, uh, a friend of mine in Scotland, actually, she's been, you know, open water swimming. I don't exactly what the phrase is there, but it's, you know, you're swimming out across the coast somewhere and she's been posting pictures of like them swimming with like her knit hat on and what the water temperature is. And it's like, I'm like proud of you and jealous all at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I have a few friends that like go swimming like without the wetsuit only for like about five minutes, but like just in like, you know, a normal swimsuit or bikini even, and they just go into the water and I'm like, no, I'm not, I'm not brave enough. Not yet. <laughs> no, I would definitely want a wetsuit as well. Um, I've done a few triathlons and one of them was in like early winter here and it got like surprisingly cold. And so um, I actually have a wetsuit from various other things, like just races where the water was really cold and um, <laughs> it's helpful and it does keep you warm and it's, you know, a little bit buoyant and that's nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Um, well, I would love to go swimming there. It sounds awesome. Um, okay. Another question. Uh, what are you reading right now, if anything? Because I mean, when I raise a reader, but secretly I'm looking for book suggestions. <laughs> Maybe not secret if I keep telling people. <laughs> oh, I'm really bad. Like I read, like I read, like I love reading, but I just I find it so hard to find books to like keep me like, mm-hmm. like really in there. I read a book. What is the name of it? It was really good. It was about um I cannot remember the name of it it was only like a couple of weeks ago (laughs) but it's about like basically this like island off the coast of Ireland where there was like a like a psychiatric um like unit back in like the the 80s and like where they had like you know like patients or whatever and then like a doctor went missing and was never seen and they just thought like he moved like he just like left his wife he just never came back and then yeah it's a it's a thriller like it I I love reading like thrillers so yeah I like books like that but I'm sorry I don't actually have a title for you <laughs> no that's fine I was gonna ask like was that a real story or like a fictional no, story because both seem plausible <laughs> it, it, it is fictional but yeah it, it was really good like it, it it's one of those books that like you just don't know what's gonna mm-hmm. happen I like that. So like, like you read it and you're like, oh yeah, this is going to happen. And something wild happens. You're like, oh, oh, I was not expecting that. <laughs> so yeah, it was one of those ones. Like, and I haven't like, I've like, I've started a few books and um, since that I've like, I read like maybe a chapter or two and I'm like, mm. I'm like, oh, like I really struggle to get past that first chapter. Like if it's not like drawing me and like, I get mm-hmm. that like some books are like slow burners but I like really like when um, like it just draws you in from the start. Yeah, I feel like I'm always reading like six or seven books at a time, but it's like different scenarios. Like this one's nonfiction. This one's on my Kindle. This one's an audiobook, or like whatever. <laughs> Situational. Um, that's cool. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find out what this book is because I'm curious. I will, 
I will get the name of it and I will tell you. <laughs> it sounds intriguing. <laughs> yeah, it was very good. It's an Irish author. Like I, I like reading like kind of, yeah, Irish mm-hmm. books and stuff. Because it's quite, because like you said, like it could be plausible. Like this could have happened, you know. Mm-hmm. It's Some of the stuff is quite plausible. You're like, oh, was this real? <laughs> but yeah. I read a book like that uh, where I was like, I don't really know if this is fiction or not. And like, it was technically fiction, but I was like, I could totally see this happening. And it was a book, um, I've looked the name of it. It was called Migrations by Charlotte McConaughey. McConaughey, I don't know if I said that right. Um, But it was about this woman who just sort of like, oh gosh, I don't even know how to describe it. Um, She just sort of, jumps on this ship to Greenland and looking at Arctic turns and then like following them around. And, you know, it's set maybe a little bit in the future where, you know, there aren't that many left and she puts trackers on them and it becomes this whole thing of her following the turns around and trying to get people to take her out on their boat. And it was just really interesting and like a lot of really intricate relationship stuff, like of the people she met and I was like, man, this seems like it could be real. Like, I could totally see someone really doing this. It was quite good. Like, I, I, for me, yeah, I like when it's, like, something believable. And, like, mm-hmm. yeah, touches on, like, things that, like, definitely would have happened in, like, real life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then I guess on the flip side, too, I also really like, I don't know, science fiction. I'm not really, like, full into, like, fantasy type stuff but I like the things where I'm like well this is not a world we live in but it's cool to imagine a totally different world yeah which is totally different but some of it's enjoyable I don't know um and I asked those two questions because you know scientists are people too and we have hobbies and sometimes we read and then I talk to people from all over the world and they all read authors that are around them or whatever and so I can sort of be introduced to books I wouldn't normally have come across which is fun yeah I don't have anything else it's been fun to talk to you though I hope it made sense (laughs) yeah no it totally did um I feel like there's just so many things we still have to learn about oceans and what's going to happen to them in the future and like what's going to happen to the creatures and critters that live there and there's just a lot of things we still don't know and I think that having baselines and doing long-term monitoring type stuff is going to be really valuable down the road yeah like definitely because like if you don't have a baseline you have nothing to compare to like this could be completely normal and look like just you're like seeing it for the first time you're like what is this but then like in 10 years time you're like oh it's it's the same every year (laughs) it's fine but maybe it's not maybe it's like there's like a massive increase in carbon or a massive like decrease in a certain species or something and like you know and like sometimes I suppose like like when you're looking kind of at like species stuff like maybe it's a normal like population drop after so many years or whatever but you don't know that unless you have like a long-term kind of study so that's why they're so important. Yeah, absolutely. The work that I do um, is a long-term monitoring project for coastal wetlands here in Louisiana. And it's the same idea. Like there's all these restoration projects going on and it's a process, you know, they take a while to construct and design and all of that. And so we have all these sites that are like, all right, this is the before. So we've got years of baseline and then the project goes, gets built. And then we can figure out like, 
all right, this is what's happening after. Like, did it work? How well did it work? Why didn't it work if it didn't? And so like, but we wouldn't even know that if we didn't have the before data. Um, so yeah. it's super, super important in my opinion. And I think, I personally think there's not enough monitoring going on in the world, but you know, I think that's shifting a little bit. Yeah, like, like I suppose, like in regards to like ocean, like there's a lot more sensor deployments and stuff. And then you have like things like you have like, like boys, like, like monitoring boys, like Ireland has a, a data boy network. You have like Argo floats. We released a couple of Argo floats um, on the last survey we were on. Um, you have ocean gliders, um, like all that kind of stuff. Like it's really cool. Like, like as technology like increases, like monitoring will increase as well. Like there's, there's so much potential there in that kind of, like in that regard. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Those Argo floats are so cool. <laughs> yeah, they're kind of like, you have the shallow ones that go from like, like zero to like 2000. And then you have like the deep ones that can go like as deep as 6,000, which is crazy. Cause like when you think of like the pressure and stuff underwater, like it's mad. Yeah. And I had no idea those even existed till I talked to my friend Emily about it. It's just like so bizarre. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of really cool science going on out there that it's fun to learn about. Yeah, definitely. Like, and there's like, there's so much we don't know, mm -hmm. which just makes it like, so everything just so interesting. Mm -hmm. I suppose when there's so much to learn, you just, you just want to keep going. You want to just find out more and more, like, why is this happening? Yeah, and I don't know what the percentage is or if there even anybody knows what it is, but I feel like a large percentage of the oceans have just like, we don't know anything. <laughs> yeah, like I think we know more about the moon than we do about the oceans. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. It's craziness. Like, I, I think it's, this is probably wrong, but I think it's like 90 odd percent of the ocean is still like undiscovered. Like, it's crazy. <laughs> Yeah, I could see that. I mean, I know they, I know they've done a lot of, um, you know, floor mapping type of work, but you know, there's a lot of water and a lot of animals between water surface and the ocean floor. Um, and so I feel like we're constantly discovering new species and learning new things. And, and I think that's really cool. It's been so nice to meet you. Thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, it was, it was like, like it's probably not something I'd normally do. And I feel like it's been so relaxed because normally I get so like caught up when I'm like, I suppose like when you're giving like a presentation and stuff, it's like, oh, I get like my words get like trapped. <laughs> but like this has been so nice. Good, that's what I'm going for. It's like very informal on purpose. Um, also, I am like horrible at public speaking or anything like that. And so if it was very formal, that would feel very, that would make me nervous, honestly. Uh, no, I just want to have a have a chat and learn about the things people do and about their lives. And I think that that's the reason I do the podcast is because I think that kind of stuff is like a good example of just how many different types of jobs and research there are in STEM. And STEM is so big. Uh, I've talked to whatever hundred something people now, and like everybody's job is different. <laughs> yeah like I, I've I've listened to some like I've listened to some of your podcasts so I'm just like oh my god that's so cool like I think the last one I was listening to was about like the sharks off Australia 
Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my God, that sounds like so cool. It was like the, the pelagic sharks, I think. Yeah. yeah that, that was, I was like, oh my God, that's amazing. There's all kinds of things. There's something for everybody at this point, I feel like. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's like really, like it's been really enjoyed. Like any, like any of them I've listened to of your podcast, I've just thought, wow, this is so cool. Yeah. It's been fun for me. Cause some of them have been like, people I know and some are people I don't know you know or that's the first conversation we've ever had so it's it's kind of enjoyable uh yeah either both are great um and some of it it's like it's like even if it's people I've known for a long time it's like a conversation we've never had because like why would I ask this person all these questions about their job you know um so it's been really fun for me just like oh now I have a reason to pester you and ask all these questions (laughs) I'm glad you're enjoying it so thank you for listening too no it's like they're really really good I'm like I've like told a few friends to like go listen like oh you find that like you'd find this so cool awesome thank you appreciate that no problem (laughs) um cool well have a good rest of your Sunday hey y'all it's Rachel here thank you so much for listening to this episode I hope you enjoyed it Um, I just wanted to have a quick reminder that if you or a friend or someone you think would be a good guest, if you have any people like that, let me know or send them my way in some way. Um, And how you can do that is you can find me on Twitter at Flying Cypress. You can find the podcast on Facebook at Storytellers of STEM. That's STEM with two M's. We also have a shiny new Twitter account for the podcast, so you can find the podcast on Twitter at Storytellers42. Yes, I'm a nerd. You can also email me, storytellersofstem at gmail.com. Or you can find me and everything else on my website, rachelvelani.com. So you have loads of ways to get in touch with me. I want to hear from you. Go like the Facebook page, follow me on Twitter, follow all the storytellers on Twitter since they're mostly all there. And just, you know, have a good day and thank you for listening.